With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, hope you're doing well. Today's episode of Strictly Hoop Talk has my man Harrison Wind returning to the podcast to discuss the Denver Nuggets who have been by far the most entertaining and interesting team this playoff run. Um, They've been a great team to root for and now they're in the Western Conference Finals down 0-2 as we speak with Game 3 happening tonight. Um, so, So Harrison and I just break down of course, the last play, the Anthony Davis shot, where things went wrong for Denver on defense in that play. Uh, Jokic's all-time amazing, just absolutely sensational performance down the stretch of Game 2. And just kind of where we stand on the Denver Nuggets versus the Lakers. Uh, is this series over? Are we counting out Denver again? Should we count out Denver again? So a lot of just great Western Conference Finals talk. Um, as far as the rap side goes, check out the Detroit 2 review that I dropped with my guy, Animal Brown, of the On Deck TV podcast. We reviewed Big Shaw's album, Detroit 2. That was very, very uh, fun podcast. Very great album review. I thought the content was great. So check that out. There will be more coming on the rap side. But for now, check that out if you're interested. And then as far as the NBA side, I'm going to do an Eastern Conference deep dive later this week, probably in the next couple of days. So stay tuned for that. And yeah, I mean, we're getting close. We're getting to the, we're getting close to the NBA finals. So a lot of NBA content to come, of course, and wrap. Uh, I don't know if you've realized, but a lot of, there's been a lot of big releases coming. Um, the Amine album, the Nas album, the Sean album. Um, there's rumors of Kendrick, Cole, Drake. So there's a lot around the corner coming for hip hop. And I think we're, we're setting up for a strong close to 2020 and what has been a crazy, crazy year. Uh, for music and obviously for for just everything the world in general so um, quick housekeeping just follow me on the social medias at twitter and instagram real chris platty again that's c-h-r-i-s-p-l-a-t-t-e i know you know how to spell real so follow me there that's the best way to keep up to date on what's coming with the podcast and uh, i like to interact with people also i'm still doing individual playlists for people that want them so please if you uh if you have me on one of those platforms message me there and i'm absolutely uh willing to make you an individual playlist tailored to what i think you would like so if you're looking for new music if you're bored in this quarantine and and just trying to look for something new look for something fresh that you think you might like i'm I'm more than happy to help with that so reach out to me and i, and I got you uh, that being said let's get to the episode and enjoy the podcast once again i want to thank my guest harrison wind for coming on the podcast with me this is a great talk and i hope you guys enjoy it Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty. Returning to the podcast is my good friend, Harrison Wynn of DNVR Nuggets. Harrison, how you doing? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks for having me back, man. Man, I I had to have you back. It, it was such a... Going back to our... All the way back to July 29th when we recorded our 
podcast for the division preview of the teams re-entering the bubble. We talked about Bull Bull, which feels like forever ago that Bull Bull was like a household name for like three days. <laughs> I can't decide if uh, the last time we talked seems like like three years ago or uh, a month ago or exactly how long. It, you, like You could have told me it was however long ago and I would have believed you. Yeah, man, it's just what a what a journey it has it has been, especially for your Denver Nuggets, which is why I'm happy to have you back on the podcast, because the last podcast I recorded uh, probably in all the history of my podcast aged the most poorly. So I recorded a podcast right before the tip off of game five of uh, of Denver Clippers. And I was recording with my guy, Tim Cranjus McBasketball, big Lakers guy really we're talking about the battle of la it looks like it's on the cusp of happening so we're disrespecting denver we're trying not to but we're disrespecting denver because we do like 30 minutes on what the la lakers la clippers series looks like and then boom like three days later they're in a game seven and then boom that game seven denver just goes off and and dominates them in the second half and wins that's by far the most poorly aged podcast I've ever done. <laughs> hey, man, there were a lot of uh, takes that have aged poorly over the last couple of weeks about the Denver Nuggets, even some of ours. I mean, look, they were down 3-1 against the Jazz, 3-1 against the Clippers. Mm-hmm. We counted them out of both series, foolishly. Even I did. You know, So um, don't ask me to count them out of this Lakers series. Don't, yeah. don't ask me to count them out of this one because – I don't care if they get swept. I'm, I can't possibly count this team out again until the final buzzer actually sounds on that elimination game. I just can't do it. Yeah, man. <laughs> I hear you. I, that's that's where I'm at with this Denver team. Is like, dude, I am not counting them out until Jokic has left the bubble. Like, that's how that's how just amazing this season's been. So Denver's been fun. They've been great to root for. So now the Western Conference Finals, we're now recording this the day of what will be Game 3 after a tough, tough Game 2. Lakers, Denver, Lakers are my pick to win the championship, so obviously I picked them going into this series. And I gave it I, I gave it Lakers in 6 because I felt like, at this point, i got to give the Nuggets at least 2. Like, they're, like they're going to go down 3-1, and then I, I just expect them to get another one after that. But... Here we are after game two, and I listened to your guys' podcast, uh, the DNVR Nuggets podcast, which was awesome, by the way. And it was awesome in the sense that it was everything I was telling you this off air. It was everything that brought back so much in me, so much basketball nostalgia in me, because being a fan of the Pistons, I promise I won't make this long-winded because everybody knows I could talk about the Pistons for days, but... Being a fan of the Pistons, you know, they obviously haven't had much success in the last decade plus. So my introduction to them was the 04 Pistons, the playoff run. The first game I ever watched was the Chauncey Billups half-court shot that they eventually lost in overtime to the Nets. And I just remember 05 in particular, the moment watching the Spurs win the series and me bawling my eyes. I was a little kid listening to your guys' podcast and listening to how just emotionally drained you guys were how devastated uh that podcast was just brought me back and made me realize that I've loved basketball for all these like 15 plus years since the Pistons have been in the finals but I've I just it's been so long since I experienced that level of 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 heartbreak man it's crazy 
Yeah, and I think what was so draining about that game, first off, it's just how these playoffs have gone, coming back from 3-1 twice, and just mm-hmm. how game 5, 6, and 7 of that Jazz series felt, how game 5, 6, and 7 of that Clippers series felt. It's been a long last month. Uh, the second part, what made that so draining was just how that game two went. And look, the Nuggets are the team of resiliency, right? Like that's how we're going to remember this Nuggets team when we look back on this playoffs uh, years and years from now. And for the first time in these playoffs, the Nuggets resiliency didn't pay off in in a win. Like Denver was resilient in that game two against the Lakers. They did not have a good first half and they came back in the second half, played great defense. I thought they found something against the Lakers. They really frustrated LeBron, I thought, in that second half. And they were so resilient, but for the first time in the postseason, it didn't pay off in a win. It was damn close to. It should have been a win. It seemed like Denver gave that game away and should have won. But Mm -hmm. just the fact that they did everything that they had done late in that Jazz series, late in that Clippers series, and they were so resilient, but it didn't equal a win. I feel like that's why it was so draining as well. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. Uh, you know, it just was, it was something that like I'm watching with a couple of my friends as it's as it's happening in real time, and we're watching Jokic's what was it, eleven or twelve? It was twelve, right? Twelve straight 12, points. Yeah, twelve. Yep. Twelve points down the stretch where he just absolutely dominated the unbelievable tip in. I mean, Zach Lowe said it best on his podcast. I, that's just a that's just a, a perfect embodiment of Jokic just being able to make the unorthodox. <laughs> The unorthodox but amazingly high IQ basketball play, because that's really what what Jokic is when it comes down to it. He's just a, an absolute brilliant mind that's definitely going to win with his mind, not his body. But he he takes these shots, he makes these shots that are just that that look like as you're watching them, like oh why are you settling for this or you're being forced into a tough shot here? But those are the ones he hits, and that tip in was absolutely amazing. Uh, he just was absolutely dominant down the stretch. Uh, let's get into the 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 Plumley Grant thing. The way I saw it, watching it, was obviously Plumley's getting a lot of the blame because LeBron wasn't necessarily setting a screen on that inbound for Anthony Davis. He was just there as kind of a, a decoy, and so Anthony Davis kind of ran wide, and Plumley, who was guarding Anthony Davis, who was subbed in to protect what I what I assume is the lob, decided to run into the the LeBron screen that wasn't really a screen that was about like three or five feet separate of Anthony Davis's running path and told Jeremy Grant to switch I think he did that because ideally he was going to I think he wanted to go to LeBron so that if LeBron rolled at the last second he would prevent the lob but uh Jeremy Grant didn't see it because he was on the other side of LeBron and so that led to that led to Davis having an open three. And credit to Jokic, I mean, he busted his ass to get right to the spot and, and try to contest it. I mean, that was about as best and as fast as I've seen Jokic move in, in, in a while. And it just obviously it was, a, it was a very open look for Anthony Davis and credit to him for making it. But that's the way I saw that last play. You, uh, I want to see how you how you saw that last play. And also just you talked to some of the people after the game and how that uh, how that went with the Denver Nuggets. Like what were the kind of responses that you get and how is how's things been with that with that situation or with that play, I should say. 
Yeah, no, I think you put it well. And uh, it, it's pretty much what I saw. And that's kind of been everybody's take. And I think it's been the correct one. Uh, first, you got to give credit to Anthony Davis. Like, it was mm-hmm. a heck of a shot. And like you mentioned, Jokic getting the contest that he did on it after defending the inbound and kind of going all out defending the inbound, I thought was pretty incredible. And I mean, look, if you're the Nuggets and you say, okay, we can give Anthony Davis a contested three for the win. I I know Davis has shot the ball better from three in these playoffs, but in his career, what is he like a 33% three point shooter? Mm -hmm. Uh, You're probably taking that if you're Denver. Uh, that being said, if Plumley did not try to switch, if he had stuck to Davis and uh, kind of trailed him, yeah, that makes it a much tougher shot, I think. And uh, if Plumley is right there, I think the percentage that Davis makes that goes way down. But, you know, that being said, uh, it was a great shot from a great player. What they had to say after the game, uh, not much. Michael Malone said he'd have to take another look at it, of course. Uh, we mm-hmm. did not speak to them yesterday. Um, they didn't have like a formal practice, so they didn't do any media. Um, so we didn't really hear anything else. Uh, Jokic said it was just kind of a miscommunication. Um, so kind of going along the lines of what you know everybody else has been diagnosing it as. Uh, so, I mean, that's really it. I, I think you put it well. Um, it was a good shot by Davis, but probably could have been made a tougher shot if mm-hmm. uh, the defense had been a little cleaner. Yeah, and, and and that's where, to me, those are the kind of things that happen, unfortunately. I mean, obviously, I understand why Plumlee's going to get the uh, get the, the short end of the stick here and, and most of the blame because, you know, he was the one guarding Davis. He was the one that made the read that ended up being a fatal read, but... I just think I, I just don't like a simple the the simple narratives that a lot of people would run with and saying that oh you know he just he he made a totally stupid play no he made a read he made the wrong read but he made a read and I understand the logic like I said I really think he was trying to prevent a LeBron last second oop because people forget it wasn't a a three point game it was a one point game so yeah. the Lakers could have won on anything so back to what you said if and Anthony Davis contested three ideally if it if it was able to be contested was not maybe not maybe your your most favorable shot if you're Denver but it certainly wasn't the it certainly wasn't the one that you were most scared of you were most scared of Anthony Davis's lob to the rim or LeBron's lob to the rim or LeBron just getting the ball like under the basket sealing his man for a quick lay-in like those are the kind of actions that I think Denver was trying to prevent and why Mason Plumlee was in there in the first place so I understand why people are upset with Plumlee, and I understand why people said, "Oh, you know, maybe you shouldn't have brought in Plumlee." But that, to me, is all is all hindsight. I think he made a, I think he made a defensive play or a defensive read, and it just unfortunately was the wrong one. And like you said, credit to Anthony Davis for making the shot. Yeah, he was just trying to do too much when he should have just stuck to Davis. And it's not even about this play but this is just kind of one of my pet peeves with nba defense right now especially in the playoffs and the nuggets did this a lot against the jazz and i've gotten better but guys switch too easily like Mm -hmm. guys give up the switch way too easily instead of just fighting through the screen a little longer and like preventing a devastating switch um it's just kind of one of my pet peeves on defense and uh you could this this was kind of a case and we see it a lot in half court defenses where guys just preemptively switch and, and just switch even automatically when they don't have to. And there was probably a little carryover of that to this play. 
Yeah, and you guys said it best on your podcast was, look, you know, it was ultimately a game that was won at the last second. So, yeah, you want to look at the very last play, but there's a lot of things that Denver did to put themselves in that situation to not win that game and to also win that game. They started off the, the first with a bad a bad first, and then they, they really just, with a lot of turnovers, they picked it up in the second half. They were much better, and they there wasn't there wasn't a giant run or a, or a significant or a significant moment until the last like final couple minutes where Jokic is making a lot of shots consecutively outside of the one weird mid-range shot that I that was that was kind of weird to see him pump fake the three and then strangely just way mm-hmm. way off on the mid-range and hit like almost like the backboard just the backboard on that shot but for the most part they it was it was just a solid second half continually chipping away at the lead and ultimately putting themselves in a position where they are up and just have to make one defensive stop to win the game and make this series 1-1. So where are you at with Denver's whole performance in, in the game? So this game reminded me of Game 3 against the Clippers, a game that the Nuggets felt they just gave away and that they should have won and that they were just kicking themselves or giving away for the next 24 hours. Um, they did not play a good first half. But I felt like they found something, and they found something defensively in the second half. It seemed like they frustrated LeBron. He, he was not a factor, uh, really, in the second half. I think shot like 2-9 from the field, uh, turned the ball over like four times in the second half, if my memory serves correct. And uh, it seemed like they found something. Uh, they defended well enough. And we've seen with this Nuggets team in the playoffs, if they defend – uh, like they did in the end of that Jazz series in Game 6 and 7, and like they did really in, throughout most of the Clippers series, they're going to be right there in these games. And uh, that's kind of what Game 2 was for me, and that's why I expect Denver to come into Game 3 tonight with confidence. I think they're going to be encouraged, especially when they go back and look at the film. I mean, I was encouraged rewatching mm-hmm. that game for a second time. Uh, Denver was right there. And like you mentioned, it didn't come down to that last play. If the Nuggets just corral that offensive rebound um, prior to Jamal Murray blocking, I believe it was Danny Green shot out of bounds. Which was amazing, by the way. Amazing play. Yeah. If Denver's able to just corral that offensive rebound, uh, the game's over. If P.J. Dozier, who did some really good things in that fourth quarter, Mm -hmm. drew two charges – he blocked a LeBron layup at the rim. If he's able to make two out of the four free throws that he missed, you know, Denver might win this game. So it's just kind of little errors that Denver made in the second half that put them in that position. But then again, I mean, those are the things you can't do against yeah. a team like the Lakers. Yeah, especially a team uh, a, a team like the Lakers that – obviously has the, the the two great players that can take over which which Denver does as well and having putting a, a team in a position with that good a defense like the Lakers have been they've been they've been great defensively in this series but but like you said giving a team with that level of defense that that you can put that that team can put genuine trust in their defense and ability to get stops and then also have two players that can take over on the offensive end is is a very very tough thing to do or a very tough thing to tough position to put yourself into and like you said i liked a lot of the defense that denver played with denver in the second half in particular pj dozer i 
I would love to see him. I think he's definitely going to get more minutes now from here on out. I mean, he, he had to, he had to, he played so well. Um, I, I think, I think that there's a lot of positives to take away from this game, which is why the question of, are you more or less confident in Denver now? Me in a weird sense, like I said, I picked the Lakers. I'm more confident in Denver's ability to win some games, but to me, this was one that you had to win to win the series. I mean, an all-time Jokic performance, a subpar LeBron game, especially in the second half, and particularly down the stretch of the fourth quarter, that's a game that you that you really need to win because you can't expect LeBron to have that many that many of those games, and now you got to win four out of five against LeBron and Anthony Davis. So to me, this was a this was a game that, like you said, I think they found some things, especially defensively, and I think that there's there's reason to believe now, or there's more confidence that because of the resilient nature of the team, because of the adjustments that they made, that I think that they will. I'm more confident now that they'll get a game than I was after game one, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, and I think I did see a stat that. LeBron's never blown a 2-0 lead in a series before. Um, so that doesn't give you a lot of confidence if you're the Nuggets. But I, I still think they can get a game or two and really yep. push this series. Um, if you're the Nuggets, though, you just hate to lose game two with how dominant Jokic was in yeah. that fourth quarter. I mean, just to waste that from him. Uh, the 12 straight points, and he was just so dominant down the stretch. Uh, j- just how that game transpired, you hate to lose that from him. Absolutely. And let's talk about Jamal Murray, because Jamal Murray's interesting to me, so I don't remember. I'm looking it up right now as we speak. Um, I don't remember his game one stats offhand, but 25 last night on 8 of 19 shooting or of uh, on game two. He's... He's somebody that's obviously been very, very important, especially in the Clippers and the, the Utah series. He, he had a lot of the big monster scoring performances that really pushed Denver over the edge. Um, how are you feeling about about him? Because I, I feel like I'm waiting for that Jamal Murray like real big takeover game that he's going to absolutely assert his dominance because I think he the Lakers are a great defensive team, but I do I, I do feel like there's more that Jamal Murray can play better than he has and not to criticize him again, credit to the Lakers defense, but just saying that I, I see, I I'm, I'm yet to see that Jamal Murray game. And I think that again, that's another thing that bodes well to Denver winning is the fact that I, I see Jamal Murray having much better performances than he's had in the first two. Yeah. I think we'll get a Jamal Murray game. And um, look, if he makes, like two more three pointers, you know, he's at, uh, what is he at? 31. Yeah. Instead of 25, he was two and nine from three Mm -hmm. in, uh, in game two and and missed a couple gimme as compared to just how unbelievable he's been shooting in these playoffs so far. I mean, he's like shooting at a historical rate from three so far. So I don't expect him to pick that up, but if he just makes a couple more threes, I think his night looks different and Denver probably wins. It's funny, like the defenders he's going against and these this series are so much different than Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who went against uh, primarily against the Clippers, like Caruso, KCP, Danny Green. These guys are so much uh, smaller, but you know they can still like stick with them, and they're really making them work, which isn't a surprise. But mm-hmm. 
I think we're still going to get a big Jamal game. I feel more confident that, you know, we're going to get a Jamal game against the Lakers than we were that we were going to get a Jamal game against the Clippers. And, you know, he did have 40 in game seven, so we did get it in the end. Um, But I think it's coming. He's been getting to his spots, I think. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's been even getting to the rim. and, And I think finishing better than I expected kind of against the Lakers length on the interior. Yeah, uh, so that's true. I think we'll get one. Maybe it's tonight. Hey, hopefully, hopefully it is tonight because, you know, going down. I know I, I can't for certain that LeBron stat 2-0. I believe that stat, but I can't imagine LeBron a 3-0 loss. <laughs> that's for sure. A, a 3-0 yeah. series loss. But, no, I want to talk about also um, real quickly because we talked about the, the adjustments that Denver has, has made or the – the adjustments that we believe that they found at the end of the game, but I want to I want to specifically get your perspective on how the bigs in general, Howard McGee, Davis, how they've played against Jokic so far. Obviously, Jokic had a had a pretty frustrating game one, uh, game two. Obviously, he had he he was he had a he had a solid game two, but he really uh, really just again all time great performance down the stretch. I mean that was literally one of the best performances I've seen from from a center in a very, very long time down the stretch of a playoff game. So Jokic, I, I think, found something. But how how is your overall scope on how the Lakers' bigs have defended Jokic in this series? Well, the Lakers really this year have defended Jokic, I think, better than any team. So you knew the length was going to be a factor, even mm-hmm. with how well Yoke had played against Utah and against the Clippers. I don't think JaVale has been much of a factor. If yeah. you kind of just go back and look at Jokic's misses with JaVale on the court, it's a lot of gimmies that Jokic usually makes. I think there's some luck mm. involved there if you look at the numbers. Uh, Dwight has been a factor, though. Uh, yes. Dwight has been a factor. He was a factor when uh, he's gone up against Jokic in the past. And I think his strength and his length has been a factor in this series as well. Um, I expect the Lakers to play Dwight a little bit more like compared to JaVale than they have uh, yeah. going forward in the series than they have in these first two games. But um, he's been their best option. And, and I think that was a little predictable uh, mm-hmm. coming into this series. When he's got Anthony Davis on him, um, I, I think he showed like he did down the stretch – uh, that you know he can take Davis into the post and work him over there. Um, on the other end of the floor, that's not a good matchup for Denver. Like Davis is just too much for Jokic on the post, and if he tries to take him on the dribble, Jokic just can't stay with him. Yeah. Um, but you know when Jokic is on offense, I think that's a good matchup for Denver. So uh, I think the Lakers' length has been effective. Um, Dwight has done well, definitely on Jokic, I could say, um, but. I, I don't think it's going to like prevent Yoke from – I don't think they're going to be able to like hold him in check really. He's He's been able, and I think he's going to be able to do pretty much what he wants you know, over the remainder of the series though. Yeah, and that's what I feel like was so important about his stretch at the end of the game was that to me was after you know basically almost two whole games of, uh, uh, of just – of just up and down up and down play like you said Howard was amazing amazing in game one less in game two but still has been very good on Jokic overall 
um, watching that stretch, you know, I'm sh- I'm sure that mentally it started to get to Jokic, and then when he had that breakthrough stretch where he realized that, hey, you know, I'm on the court with Anthony Davis and LeBron, and I'm playing the best. I think those are the things that go a long way, especially to a superstar, especially to a superstar who's Jokic is is not emerging is the wrong word because Jokic is is obviously established himself as a superstar, but emerging in the sense of this deep in the playoffs, you know, having this kind of success against this kind of great team and, and these high level players. So I think that that's very big. And I think you're right. Jokic is going to have pretty much the series he wants to. I think that's going to bold very well. I expect a lot of better performances from him, but the Lakers bigs, I was talking to Tim Cranjus McBasketball of, you know, the Lakers guy of just how, how, Den, how he how he thinks the Lakers would attack Denver and how they would how they would defend Jokic and all that and he said you know this is a series unlike Houston where they're they're going to be able to play more bigs because of uh because of you know Mason Plumlee because of Jokic that they're going to play a lot of Howard minutes uh McGee's going to get his cracks and like you said they haven't been successful but um but that's really what I expect and that's why I kind of leaned to the Lakers was the fact that they have, you know, multiple options to throw at uh, at Jokic, and I actually thought coming in as good of as good of a team as they are with their perimeter defense, they have a lot of just pesky players. They're they're not the greatest defenders, but they're very pesky and they're very um, they very much bo- are are able to bother you know shooters like Jamal Murray. But I thought coming into this that Jamal was actually going to have probably the better series because I I liked his matchups more than what what Jokic had just because of the amount of, of bigs that they could throw at Jokic but uh but like you said after the after everything that's happened the last two games I I feel very confident in Jokic going forward and I think that Jamal is starting to figure it out too because like you said he was getting to his spots and he just was there was just misses that were that were on Jamal like and I was surprised like you said with his finishing at the rim so again I think there's a lot to be optimistic about in Denver moving forward in this series yeah, and I think they've – I don't want to say, like, they've completely figured out the Lakers' defense, but after game two, I think Denver's confident that they know they can get to their spots and get the shots they want mm-hmm. uh, against L.A. I mean, the Nuggets have missed a ton of open threes. Over these first two games, they have not shot the ball well from beyond the arc in games one and two. And, look, this has been an up-and-down shooting team throughout the season and even at times throughout the playoffs, but you expect them to shoot a little bit better from three as this season, as this series kind of goes along. And, look, they're just going to need somebody else to give them some production outside of Murray and Jokic. Um, I think those guys are going to get theirs. They got a nice 15 points from Michael Porter Jr. off the bench in game two. Yeah, they're they're just going to need that third guy. Um, if they're going to push this series. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And I think that, I I think, I think that Michael Porter is the most likely, um, as far as, as far as just offensive burst. But, uh, like you said, obviously, you know, there's a lot of other rope, like PJ Dozier, like if he can play the level of defense that he played down the stretch in, in game two, I think is, is, is going to be very important and very impactful in the series. So there, there are other players, but as far as like the offensive scoring load, yes, they need somebody else that can kind of create a little bit, do some things because Jamal Murray played 44 minutes in game two. And, you know, ideally, 
I ideally you don't want him to play more than I more than like 40 42 just for just for energy purposes and so you'd like to be able to rely on uh, have Michael Porter have a little bit longer stretches in the game where he can uh, where he, where he can kind of be that offensive uh, be that offensive creator that offensive facilitator for the for the whole Denver Nuggets team so I I think that him and obviously a, a thing that nobody's really talking about is the fact that the the Nuggets are missing Will Barton, and this is a series where he would be very very important. Uh, he would have been important in every every other series for Denver, but especially this series because it, again it just looks like they just need a little bit more non Jokic non Murray offense. Yeah, and speaking of Murray, he played forty four minutes. He was a plus sixteen somehow in a two point wow. loss. So in the four wow, minutes that he didn't, didn't that. play in the four minutes that I didn't play, somehow the Nuggets were outscored by eighteen points. I don't even know how that's possible, but it happened. Um wow. Yeah, Barton would be huge. Barton would be uh would be huge because something else that the Nuggets are kinda lacking, and this is why Dozier's valuable and I think another reason aside from his defense that we're gonna see more Dozier in game three. The Nuggets just need some guys that can, like, break down their defender off the dribble. They just, like, don't have a ton of one-on-one guys who can get into the paint. Barton was that. And uh, Dozier, he's not a great shooter, uh, but he's kind of savvy in the pick and roll. He can break his man down and get into the paint, uh, get past his defender, and put some pressure on the defense in that regard. So he can kind of replicate a little bit of that what Barton brings just from like a one-on-one perspective. So mm-hmm. that could be valuable too when it comes to Dozier. Yeah, that's a, that's a very that's a very good point because I think so many of us myself included are caught up in his defense that Well, yeah, I mean that, that's a, that's what jumps off the screen, so of course. Yeah. yeah. You forget that there's a whole other side of the ball that he's actually been doing some interesting things with uh I think he can even do some some put, some pick and roll stuff uh I, I like what I, I like what I see from him, but again, I got caught up in the defense there. Um, yeah, it's gonna be an interesting series, man. I'm really looking forward to it because, you know, after after game one, I had obviously picked the Lakers, so that was an outcome that I wasn't totally stunned by, especially being the first game and being such a. But I was scared it was gonna be such a tone setter for the series. But uh, Denver, man, they're they're extremely resilient, which is why again I have more faith in. in in this team than almost any other team that they can handle a loss like this and come back and, and, and win the next game or, or games in this series. So I'm very, I'm very, uh, I'm very interested in Denver. I'm, I'm done doubting Denver for the rest of the season. (laughs) You know, I'm just gonna, I'm always going to give them at least two games. And if they lose tonight, then I'll know that they just really want to challenge themselves because they've done three one and too many times. It's too easy for them. So if they lose tonight, then I'll know that they're just going for the three zero because they're bored at this point. <laughs> yeah, they'll have them uh, right where they want them. Right where they want them. <laughs> All right, thank you, Harrison, for coming on the podcast, man. Once again, that's Harrison Win of DNVR. Why don't you plug everything that you do because you can do it far better than I can. But for those that are listening to this podcast, you will find a, a link to all of his content in the description because he does excellent work. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Just follow me on Twitter at Harrison Wind, and then uh, our podcast, the DNVR Nuggets podcast. We record it after wins. We record it after losses. 
it's five days a week, so we record on off days as well. Uh, you can download that from iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. All right, awesome. Well, thank you, Harrison, for coming on the podcast, man. Um, it's been, you know, if I don't have you on before the, before the Denver Nuggets season is over, I don't want to even say this because <laughs> I've counted their season over too many times, but if you're not on the podcast before before the, the series ends, um, then, you know, Denver had an amazing, amazing season. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Yeah, well, thanks, man. It's been fun uh, just kind of listening to you and listening to everybody get a up-close Jokic experience. Um, the guy we've just kind of been watching for the last, you know, five years in Denver. It's been, it's been cool to see uh, everybody kind of take in the gifts that he has and just how he closed that game, too. I can't remember a, uh, a big man who's a closer like him since Dirk. Like, I don't yeah. think there's been a big man who you can just give the ball to at the end of games. And I've been posting his clutch stats on Twitter, but he's now shooting 10 of 15 in the clutch in the playoffs. <laughs> um, but I don't remember a big man who is a closer like like Jokic is since Dirk. So it's it's been cool to see the rest of the uh, NBA community kind of get this up close and personal experience with him. Yeah, man, I knew it was over for the league when he stopped drinking those Coca-Colas, man. <laughs> when he stopped <laughs> drinking those Coca-Colas, man, I knew uh, it, he's getting in shape. He's getting he's getting together. He's going to be a problem. But, uh, <laughs> but no, thank you, Harrison, for coming on the podcast, man. I really appreciate you giving me your time. I'll let you get back to doing everything that you're doing over there because, like I said, you're doing great work. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be talking to you soon, whether it's on the podcast or off the mic. Cool. Thanks, Chris. 